welcome if you are a visitor here with us. Uh, it's great to have you here. If you uh, are not a visitor, been a part of Blackmail, but have been away for a while, we're excited to have you back as well. It is good to be uh, together, particularly on this Lord's Day on Palm Sunday as we celebrate uh, the Lord's uh, coming entry into Jerusalem. We are uh, in our series in the Gospel of Mark, and we find ourselves in Mark chapter 15. This morning, I would like for us to enter into this passion story, this story of the suffering of Jesus, the Messiah from Nazareth. And we've already begun uh, entering into the story by reenacting Palm Sunday, marching in, waving the palms, singing hosannas to Jesus. We've read and sung the psalm, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I want us to continue the drama of this story. And to do that, you all have a role to play in this drama. I want us to listen to our scripture reading as a drama, as a play. Listen to it first, and then after, I will assign you all your roles in this drama. Uh, in this play, Mark, the gospel writer, is the playwright along with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I will be the director, uh, and if we were to really cool, hip church, I would, that would be the cue for the video for uh, Charlie Brown Christmas uh, when he is the director of the play. You know that scene where Charlie Brown tries to direct the folks that would come on the screens right now, but instead you have to imagine that. Uh, and in my best Charlie Brown imitation, I would say one of the first things to ensure a good performance, pay strict attention to the director. I will keep my direction simple. And these are the directions you've taught me in the 14 years of preaching here. If you need to talk louder, I'll go like this, right? And if you need to talk softer, I'll go like this. And if you need to cut it short, I'll go like this. And if you need, and I had to make this one up because I've never seen this one in my preaching here for 14 years, but if you need to make it longer, you've seen last longer, go like this, all right? In the words of Charlie Brown, it's the spirit of the actors that counts, the, the interest they show in their director. Am I right? I said, am I right? Yeah. And that, that's the cue you should all start yeah, been dancing with the Garibaldi music playing in the background, but we won't do that, all right? And actually, I'm, I must apologize, because the story we're about to read is not funny, right? Uh, this moment, though, this moment captures what we are trying to do in our worship service this morning. Today is Palm Sunday, but it's also called Passion Sunday. And we are trying to do both today. We are trying to experience the joy of Palm Sunday, and there to experience the joy of it. To the, and there in the, here in the middle of the service, we are trying to switch and transfer into the joy, into, excuse me, into the pain and sorrow of Christ's passion. We're trying to transition from the joy and even laughter that must have been part of that Palm Sunday to the pain, sorrow, and sinfulness of Christ's passion. So, so yeah, thanks for, for laughing, but now let's transition to our drama, which is one heavy with sadness and shame and guilt. Listen then to God's word to us, found in Mark chapter 15, reading the first 20 verses. Very early in the morning, this would have been Good Friday, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, 
and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in this drama, there are roles that you all have to fill. Our first role is that of the chief priests, along with the elders and scribes and the whole Sanhedrin. And that role will be for this section here on the Iredell side. You all are the chief priests, the elders, the scribes, the, the whole Sanhedrin. You are the prime instigators in this drama. You are the ones who initiate the action. In this drama, you are the chief culprits. We are told that you hand Jesus over out of self-interest or envy. I want you to enter into this role. Tap into the spirit of envy. You are the religious leaders of the nation. About a half a dozen of you have, are the chief priests. You have been chief priests. And you have been the only ones who have entered into the Holy of Holies, been in the very presence of the Lord. And yet, when this Jesus speaks, everyone listens like he is speaking the word of God. When you speak, people are bored, unmoved. Your words are ignored. You have been taught by the greatest rabbis in the world. You have dedicated your whole life to the Torah. You know God's law inside and out. And then this uneducated carpenter comes along and says things that he has no authority to say. Not only that, but on Monday of this week, this Jesus came into the temple, this holy place that you have established for God's people to gather together to worship God. And he drove out all of the, the money changers and the booths that you all established so that people could be equipped to worship God in the temple. In fact, he and his followers shut down the whole temple that day. And when you confronted him about it the next day, he told a story about a vineyard where he clearly implied that you were responsible for killing the prophets and that he thought he was the owner of the vineyard's son, God's son himself. And you tried over and over this week to catch him 
in his words. And every time you did, he twisted things around to make you look bad. People laughed at you. He shamed you in front of all the people. And the people loved it. They said he, he taught like he knew what he was talking about, not like the way you taught. He taught like you were irrelevant, like you were in the way, like people could relate directly to God and didn't need you as priests. He taught like the temple wasn't needed, like people didn't need us, need you to make sacrifices for them. He wanted to change everything. And you know who hates change? The Romans. The crowds with wrong leadership are dangerous. He is building up too many expectations. You are convinced that you'll lose everything if he has not stopped. There's only one way to stop him. Crucify him. All right, got it? Got your role there? All right. Our second role is that of Pilate. And I want this, the first part, front, front rows of this side, you all are Pilate, all right? Your official title is the Roman prefect, or what we would call a, a governor. You have been governor for several years now. It is not a job with a lot of job security. Over a 35-year period, there were seven Roman prefects in Palestine. Pilate's 10-year reign was the second longest. You quickly made a name for yourself by upsetting the religious sensibilities of the Jews. You developed a reputation for ruthless and cruel persecution of any who would violate your orders. And you are a shrewd politician, right? Not looking at you, Mark, all right? but you are a shrewd politician. <laughs> you get this job because you are a good friend with a Roman noble named Sejanus, who becomes the trusted administrator of Emperor Tiberius, to the point that he's the second most powerful man in the empire. And Sejanus, according to the Jewish historian Philo, hated the Jews. There is evidence that Tiberius did as well. But Sejanus had higher ambitions than just being the second most powerful man in the empire and is eventually deposed and executed for treason. We are not sure if this happened before or after Christ's crucifixion, but it happened halfway through your reign as governor. And Sejanus being your friend puts you in a difficult spot. Even though you would have been suspect as a friend of the trade, you are able to hold on to your role for five more years after the downfall of your patron. But in our drama, in this play, you are portrayed as a weak character, perhaps a good politician, but a man of weak character. You are astute and quickly discern what is happening here. You discern the self-interest, the self-seeking motives of the chief priests. You discern this Jesus is not a threat. Perhaps he's foolish, but he is impressive. And you are in a predicament. The charge that they bring against this Jesus is that he is making himself out to be a king, the king of the Jews. And you know this is serious. The emperor doesn't like any rivals. In fact, a few years after the crucifixion, Herod Antipas, who executed John the Baptist, wanted to claim the royal title of king for himself, but was hesitant to do so because of fear of Roman reprisals. And when his wife Herodias finally persuaded him to petition Rome for the title of king, he was promptly banished to Gaul. It's a serious charge. 
but it feels like it's more about the ego of these priests than it does about a serious risk to the empire. And you begin by seeking anonymity for this Jesus who is accused. But quickly you find yourself accused. And in the end, you hand over this Jesus to be crucified because you are afraid of the crowd. You don't want any trouble. The powerful Roman governor goes against his better judgment because you are afraid of a crowd of oppressed people. The governor is governed, and you hand him over. Got it? All right. The third role is that of the crowd. That's you all here in the center section. You are fickle and easily misled. You have liked this Jesus. Rather, you like the miracle-working Jesus. You like Jesus, the son of David Jesus, who will be a king like King David. You like the Jesus who promises to make your life better, easier, more comfortable. But you're not really interested in a Messiah who suffers. No thanks. You want a Messiah who can deliver. You want a Messiah who can fix those people. You can fix those people particularly, right? Pilate and his people. You have only one line in this play, in this drama, that you repeat over and over again, so it's not hard to memorize. Crucify him. Crucify him. But you have an important role in the drama because you embody the complete abandonment of Jesus. He's already been abandoned by his friends and disciples. Judas has betrayed him. The other 11 run away. Peter, the, the rock, right? denies him because he's afraid of a servant girl. Jesus is all alone. And now you who were spellbound by his teaching in the temple, you who loved his miracles, who sang his praises on Palm Sunday, you scream at the governor, crucify him. And you are done with this Jesus as the Messiah. Right? Can you feel that in your role? The fourth role is that of the soldiers. We are told the whole Roman cohort gathered, and we're going to ask that the rest of this side over here, you all get to be the soldiers, all right? Uh, a cohort was one-tenth of a Roman legion, so about 600 soldiers. A legion had 6,000. You all are that cohort. You are all just having some fun, right? You are stuck in this miserable outpost of the, in the empire, this dangerous, miserable outpost in the empire, these people, these Jews hate you, and you have come to hate them as well. And now you get to flog and to crucify a man who is guilty of claiming to be king of these hated Jews. These Jews who act so superior. In fact, anti-Semitism is not a modern invention, right? Even then. And so when you are given the assignment of flogging this man and preparing him for crucifixion, you enter into that job with full gusto. This weak, pathetic king of the Jews who doesn't resist you, who says nothing, he doesn't inspire your pity. His aloofness inspires your hatred and mockery. And so you dress him up like a king and abuse him. You, you give him a crown, right, of thorns. As you, as you kneel to hand him the scepter, you slap him across the head with it. When he fails to grab the scepter, it falls to the ground. You pick it up for him and place it butt-end first into his stomach. 
You outdo one another making fun of this weak little Jew until one of you starts to call out, Hail, King of the Jews, just as you would for the emperor. But your role is not just cruel. In this drama today, you are the ones that speak the truth. You live out what scripture tells us will happen in the end. You do it in mockery, but we are told that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the king not just of the Jews, but king of kings and lord of lords. And indeed, he shall reign forever and ever. Got it? Now, there are two more roles to play. Balcony, right? You all, your role is that of Barabbas. Embrace your role as outsiders, as outlaws up there in the, in the balcony. <laughs> Barabbas was a murderer. Rome would have called you a terrorist, a Jewish terrorist. You are the anti-Jesus, right? He was innocent. You are guilty. You deserve death. He does not. One of the other Gospels tells us that your first name was also Jesus. You are Jesus Barabbas. Your last name literally means son of the father or perhaps son of a father. Usually your last name was the name of your father. Jesus would have been called Jesus Bar Joseph. Bar means son of. You are called Jesus Bar Abbas. And why no name here? Why only a title? Perhaps it's because your father was unknown. You were born perhaps out of wedlock and have lived your whole life in the shame of that. You are the anti-Jesus. He is the true son of the father. Son not of Joseph, but of God the father. You deserve death, but he takes your part. You have no lines in this drama, but you are a key actor in this play. Because as the play ends, we wonder, what will you do now? You who are free and for whom Jesus has taken your place, how will you live now? And then we have one last role this morning, but no one left to play it, right? And that role is Jesus. He is almost completely silent. He has only one line. When Pilate asks him if he is the king of the Jews, he replies, you have said so. He makes my job as director particularly difficult. Scholars tell us his one line can be interpreted in at least six different ways from an emphatic affirmative, you have said so, as in you got that right, to a denial. You have said so as in, you say I'm a king, not me. And he has no interest in this moment to clarify what he means by that. He is silent. Everyone has left him. He is alone now. And he is not interested in explaining or connecting with anyone. As he faces death, he is alone, alone, with his father. And this is how all of us will face death. Eventually, we will face death alone with the father. Everyone else will be taken from us or will leave us 
and we will be alone with God. When that moment comes, do you want God to be a stranger? Or do you want to know him? To be able in that moment to rest secure in his arms. Brennan Manning, a former Catholic priest, tells a story. He's walking in his neighborhood. One of his neighbors comes up to him and says, Father, my dad is dying, dying of cancer, and he'd love to have someone talk to him about God. Would you come and talk to my father? And he agrees to go visit. He comes and sits. The man's in bed, dying, and he's asked for his daughter to leave and he says, Father, I just have a question. I want, I want to pray, but I don't know how to pray. How, can you teach me how to pray? And Brendan Manning says, well, it's simple. It's just like talking to a friend. Sometimes what I do is I put an empty chair next to me and I imagine that God is sitting in the chair and I talk to God sitting in that empty chair. And he talked some more, and it felt like, seemed like that was helpful. And Brendan Manning left, and a, a week or so later, he was out walking in the neighborhood, and again, the woman came up to him and said, Father, thank you so much for talking to my dad. He, he passed away, but he seemed to have so much more peace after talking with you. And he talked with her and asked her about his, you know, his passing, and she said yeah, it, was, it was peaceful, it was just... One thing was strange, which you couldn't quite understand. She said that it was getting close to the end and that she left for a little while and that when she came back, he was gone. But that he was not lying in bed, but he had pulled himself out of bed and had laid his head on the chair next to the bed. Do you want to know God like that? You can lay your head on his lap, on his breast when you are all alone. This is our drama. Are we ready to act it out? And I'll take off my director hat. You can select whichever role you want to play in this drama. Which role will you play? Will you be the chief priest, handing Jesus over because you are threatened by his authority, shamed by his pointing out your hypocrisy and exposing how you are not as impressive as you pretend to be? Or will you play the role of Pilate, handing over Jesus, even though you kind of like him, but afraid of what it will cost you if you do not hand him over? Or will you play the role of the crowd, handing over Jesus because he has not lived up to your expectations of how he should serve you? Or the role of the soldiers, pretending to worship Jesus, but everything you do is a mockery of Jesus that only abuses and dishonors his name? Or, or will you be the role of Barabbas, admitting your sin, allowing him to take your place, being set free, but acknowledging that he suffered what you deserved? We don't know what happened to Barabbas. But we wonder, why does Mark tell us his name? In the next verses, 
Mark will tell us that Simon of Cyrene carried Jesus' cross, the father of Alexander and Rufus. We think he tells us that because the church knew who Alexander and Rufus were. They were members of the church. Maybe he tells us Barabbas' name because they knew who Barabbas was as well. One who let Jesus take the place, take his place, and followed him. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us to play our part in this play, particularly, Lord, that we would play the part of Barabbas, acknowledging our sin, acknowledging our need, acknowledging our darkness, our lostness. And even though it is not right or fair, even though it is horrible, that you would take our place. We would even receive that, that we might know life, that we might know freedom, freedom to follow after you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.